My name is Beth Durkee, and thank you for joining me today. I have faith that we will both be blessed through this conversation. Please be sure to check me out online at www.bethdurkee.me, where you can find links to my most current episode, sponsorship links, links to my social media, and links to my books, including a free fiction ebook but more about that later. Today is the second half of our season finale. Do I have more stories to tell? Oh yeah, I do have more stories to tell. So if I get some more listeners and subscribers between now and next fall, I will likely resume this podcast then. If not, my stories will probably get written into another book. But right now is just before spring, and I do a lot of work with my gardening and herbs and my kitchen, so I really just don't have time to spend on writing and preparing podcasts. How can you find out when or whether I resume podcasting? It's easy. Just follow me on iTunes or Twitter, or like my Beth Durkee Fans Facebook page, or keep an eye on my webpage www.bethdurkey.me. But now, let's talk God. Two weeks ago, I told two stories. The first was about an ex-boyfriend of mine who refused reconciliation with his grandmother, and the grandmother died unreconciled with him. The second story was of a situation with one of my mom's friends who said she would reconcile with me after a pretty stupid and very minor misunderstanding, but used my good faith in that promised reconciliation as a tool to intentionally strike at me. At the end of my second story, I said that I had forgiven the woman a second time, but had also removed myself from her life, and I made sure to note that I would have been biblically obligated to reconcile with her again, even after her strike at me, if she had repented her transgression. But that's not what happened, because her transgression was premeditated and intentional. Plus, she got away with it, so why would she be sorry? So let's talk for a minute about repentance before we get on to forgiveness, because Jesus himself lists repentance as a necessary step for the forgiveness required to gain entry to heaven. Now, we all know that we're forgiven through the gift of his blood, right? Without his sacrifice, there is no way we sinful creatures could possibly pay the price of our sin, which is death, and also achieve eternal life. Jesus, who was sinless, was the only one in all of human history who could pay our price for us so that we could be reconciled to God, because Jesus had no price of his own to pay. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, God made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that God's righteousness would be produced in us. This we know. We've all been taught about this, 
But here's the thing. The gift of reconciliation to God was not unconditional, was it? No, of course not. We all know that we have to believe to be saved, right? But as James reminds us, even demons believe and tremble with fear. Do demons reside in heaven? No, but they believe, so why not? The logical co conclusion is that there must be something in addition to belief that they lack. What could that be? Well, Jesus came here to tell us. We have to follow him and we have to obey him for him to give us his blood, which is the vehicle by which our sins are forgiven and we are reconciled to God. And that means repenting our sins. During the time when Jesus visited with us, there were some people who told him about a number of Galileans who had been worshiping when Pontius Pilate stormed the temple and slaughtered them. You can read this in Luke chapter 13, verse 1. Verse 2 and 3 go on to say that he, Jesus, asked them, do you think these Galileans were more sinful than all the other Galileans because they suffered like this? Absolutely not, I tell you. Now this is the important part. But if you don't repent, then you too will all die. So Jesus himself says in these verses that unless we repent our sins, repent our wrongdoings, we will die. We will not receive eternal life because we are ineligible to receive reconciliation to the Father through the gift of his blood. He's not going to give it to us if we're unrepentant. Many of us already do know this, but here's the thing. We don't all seem to understand that this applies not only in repenting our sinful nature and our sins against God, but also repenting our sins against each other. Don't believe me? Let's read Matthew 5, 21 through 24. You have heard it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, which means you worthless one, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. In other words, Jesus is saying that we are going to be treated like squabbling children. Imagine that one of your kids takes his big brother's bike out for a joyride and dents it. 
he doesn't admit he's dented the bike because he's been told not to ride it and he doesn't want to get in trouble with Big Brother. But Big Brother finds out anyway because, well, he sees the dent. The little one then comes to you with a flower that he picked from your flower bed, trying to make nice so you'll favor him and be on his side. This is the same thing as what I just read from Matthew. God, as the parent in this situation, says, Don't you be trying to make all nice with me by giving me a flower from my own flower bed when you know your brother is mad at you for denting his bike. You go make up with him first and then you can give me the flower. You want me to be nice to you? That's fine after you make up with your brother. Ain't no reason I should be nice to you while I have to listen to him whine about you denting his bike. All right, so repent not only to God for our sins, but also to our brothers and sisters when we have whom we have wronged. But what is repentance? Is it just being sorry? No, actually. Being sorry is only part of repentance, and honestly, a lot of people are only sorry because they get caught. Remember what I said about my mom's friend? If she had gotten caught, she might have been sorry, but she didn't get caught, so why should she? The reason she should is in the scripture I read. I'll read it again. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them, then come and offer your gift. So sorrow can't be the only requirement for reconciliation because at a bare minimum, there's also admitting your guilt, asking for forgiveness, and often making amends. Those are the steps of repentance. Repentance is the stepping stone between a wrong and a reconciliation. It's that way with people. It's that way with God. Let me give you another example to help explain. Let's say you do your tax return for the year and you intentionally cheat on it to get a refund. Later, you decide that was wrong and you're sorry for doing wrong. Or, more likely, you're caught and you're sorry you got caught. Your sorrow is nice, but it's not all that is re that's required to make it right with the taxing authority, is it? No. After your guilt is established, the tax people want their, fo their forms correctly filled out and refiled. Plus, they want their money back and any taxes that were originally due. Plus, the interest on those taxes, and, most likely, you'll also have to pay a penalty. You might even have jail time coming your way for your fraud, though if you voluntarily notify them of it, they may let you off from the jail time. Okay, so that, again, is basically the process for reconciliation with God, also. Admit your wrongdoing and ask forgiveness, that's being sorry, then try to make things right, and pay any penalties that need to be paid. That's repentance. And then finally, you're reconciled. 
just being sorry is not the same as repentance. You have to be sorry and then you have to act accordingly, which requires both changing your wrong behavior to right behavior and trying to make amends for the wrong that you've done. In the case of our reconciliation with God, Jesus took our sins onto himself and gave his extreme suffering as our amends because nothing we could offer was sufficient to reconcile us to the Father. He did that for us because we could not, just like a lot of parents do for their children who cannot do for themselves. But like most parents, Jesus is not doing the parts that we can do for ourselves. We have to do them, and reconciling amongst ourselves is something we are able to do. But remember the story of my ex-boyfriend's grandmother. I told it for a reason. She begged for reconciliation with him, even though she'd done nothing wrong, and he refused her. So clearly she was unable to reconcile with him for herself. Does the burden of being unreconciled now rest on her soul? No. Once you ask to be forgiven and reconciled, if you are refused, then your obligation has been met, but a burden of unforgiveness then rests on the other person's soul. If, however, that person accepts your apology, then yes, you still need to follow through with your repentance and reconciliation. So if you ask for forgiveness and are denied, you're good with God and the other person has future answering to do for unforgiveness. But if you are forgiven and you welch on your repentance, also known as making amends, you're not going to be good with God and Judgment Day will be very unhappy for you. But now let's talk about forgiveness because it's not just something we receive from God or ask for from other people. It's also something we give. When somebody approaches us and says they're sorry for something, we as Christians are instantly obligated. We are Jesus' emissaries on earth, and we are obligated to forgive the repentant like, he's, like he does. Unfortunately, we don't happen to share his knowledge of men's hearts. So even if we have not yet seen the full fruits of sorrow, we are still required to forgive, and we are required to try to reconcile if we're asked by someone who appears repentant. It's not an option. It's a requirement. You certainly don't have to reconcile with somebody who doesn't ask forgiveness or who doesn't appear to want to change their wrong behavior, as is the case between my mother's friend and me or my daughter and her deadbeat dad who keeps asking for reconciliation without doing anything to change his wrong behavior. But forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation, is it? Reconciliation is something we give to the repentant, like God gives to us for, repent for the repentance offered on our behalf by Jesus. Forgiveness is actually a gift we give to ourselves more than to another person. It's a necessary thing to practice even when the other person is not repentant and reconciliation is not being attempted. Unforgiveness hurts our souls, not the other person's. It makes our hearts bitter, and why would God want to spend eternity with a bitter soul? 
And the answer is that he doesn't. Even Jesus says that if we don't forgive others their sins, then the Father won't forgive us our sins. Check out Matthew 6, verse 15. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Period. Jesus said it, so that's it. Unlike repentance, which is a type of offering we give to another to make up for our wrongdoing, or reconciliation, which is done between two parties for the benefit of both. Forgiveness is something we give to others primarily for our own benefit. All three are crucial. Forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation. But not just forgiveness we receive from God, repentance we offer to God, reconciliation we ask from God, also the forgiveness, repentance, and reconciliation we exchange with our fellow human beings. I have to add here that when my daughter's dad and I were first married, one of the things he used to do that so impressed me was simply the quote-unquote right thing. He didn't care if whatever it was was uncomfortable or got him in trouble with someone as long as it was the morally right thing to do. Now, his philosophy did change over time as he moved away from God and into self-centeredness. But when we were young and he was doing the right thing, it just so impressed me and made me feel so proud of him. So many people just do what is easy. They won't do the right thing because it's uncomfortable. But when somebody does do something because it's right and it happens to be uncomfortable, it's just really impressive. I'm pretty sure that people who please God because it's right are the people Jesus wants hanging out with him at the end of time that he doesn't want to spend eternity with people who are selfish and interested only in forgiveness for themselves. He wants to also give, he wants us also to give what we have received in order that we become more like him. That's why we're required to practice forgiveness for others. And it's why we're required to reconcile with those who repent and seek reconciliation. As followers of Jesus, we are his representatives. We need to show the world how truly exceptional his love and forgiveness is so that the world will want what he is offering. My challenge to you today is simple. Well, it sounds simple. It's really probably pretty hard. Look at your life and free your soul from the burdens of unforgiveness and unrepentance, <clears throat> unrepented sin with your family and the people you know. If there's something you've not forgiven, forgive it. Just let it go. You can't change it now. So stop letting it burden you, your soul and keep you separated from God. If there's something being held against you, Go apologize and make it right. Stop being prideful and like my daughter's dad used to do. Just go be uncomfortable for a few minutes and do the right thing. That's my challenge to you. Show your faith.
use your actions to show that you are not only a believer, but also a follower of Jesus. My challenge is now given. It's straight from the Bible, and I'm going to leave you with this biblical passage to ponder for our season finale. It's from James, chapter 2, verses 18, 19, and 26. But someone may say, you have faith and I have actions. Show me your faith without any actions, and I will show you my faith by my actions. You believe that there's one God? That's fine. Even the demons believe that and tremble with fear. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. I received no questions to answer today, so I'm not going to answer one. Remember, you can send questions to me either through private message on Facebook or through the contact form on my website which I believe opens your email, but may just send to me through email. I'm not exactly sure how that works. With that said, thank you for being a part of today's conversation. Please do share this podcast with anyone you think might benefit from it. Also, remember to check out my website at www.bethdurkey.me. You can find links there to this podcast, to my books, and to all my social media. When you visit, if you haven't already done so, please be sure to follow the link to download The Bleeding Love. It's free on most e-reader platforms, including iTunes and Amazon.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please take about half a second to click the follow or subscribe link on the site where you're listening. Let me know that you value what I'm saying. You can also follow me on Twitter or on my Facebook fan page for notification of new episodes. And please do leave a positive comment or questions if you have them. Your subscriptions, follows, positive comments, personal stories, and questions are what keep me inspired to continue working on more content. In fact, that's pretty much most of the reward I get for my hours of work. So clicking that follow, like, or subscribe button and also leaving positive feedback is really important. Thank you so much to everyone who does. I seem to have lost my sole sponsor on Patreon, but I do still have a couple of subscriber-only episodes for anyone who wants to sponsor me. If you haven't heard of Patreon, it's the crowdfunding site it's a crowdfunding site, and you can find a link on my webpage, www.bethjerky.me. Sponsorship levels start at as little as a dollar per um, paid episode, which will be the, um, the subscriber-only episodes that you see there. Also, thanks to all the readers who have purchased my books. This podcast would not be possible without you. You guys are so awesome for your financial support. Every dollar makes such a huge difference in my being able to afford to keep doing this. This is Beth Durkee signing off for now. God bless you all, and may the Lord light your every footstep.